All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Tuesday, December 27th of 2022 here. Got a 12-game NHL slate as well as a 10-game NBA slate. little rare to have a 10-gamer on a Tuesday, but I myself am definitely not complaining. Usually uh, used to having those like short uh, Tuesday slates, but uh, mixing it up this time of year with the holiday. So happy to have a big slate on a Tuesday with no NFL. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I am one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions that come in in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord server, there is a link in the description below to get joined up. Highly recommended as always. A lot of good conversations happening in there each and every day. A lot of sharp players in the community, as well as the SaberSim staff jumping in and throwing in their two cents on a range of topics. So really recommend that as always. Uh, we are going to start with the questions in office hours, and then we will jump over to the questions that come in live in the YouTube chat. If you are just tuning in, have a question that you want to get answered Pretty high chance that somebody else wants to get it answered as well. So would recommend doing the favor for both of you and throwing that question in the YouTube chat so everyone can hear a little feedback on that topic. But that being said, we are going to get rolling here. I'm going to get SaberSim pulled up and going to get the first question into the queue. Looks like we have two questions to get us started today. Hoping to get some more rolling in soon. So throw something in the chat. All right, first question here from CG in the Discord said, hey, all, question, if I set a group rule, i.e. must use at least four from this group, will that apply to late swaps as well? The answer to this is yes, it will. So basically, you know, late swap in a regular build are not that different, as in the fact that they are all abiding by the inputs in the home screen, Right. If you change the projection in the home screen, regardless whether you're doing a late swap or running a regular build, it is going to abide by everything you see on this front screen. So that includes minimax exposures. That includes player filters. That includes lineup rules. Uh, your lineup rules are not going to go away once lock hits. Your Custom projections are not going to change once lock hits. You know, all of that stuff is going to stay the same. The only thing that's going to happen is that once 7 p.m. Eastern hits and it turns 7.01, the builder will automatically toggle on this late swap button that is currently toggled off in the build screen. So if you go into a build screen, you're going to notice that this late swap up in the top right corner is grayed out. When this is uh, toggled green, that means that uh, the builder is going to abide, is going to basically do a late swap for you. And the way late swap is currently set up, it is going to rebuild each lineup one time. We are currently working on building out a pool of late swap lineups, which will be even more similar to how a normal build is built. If you late swap right now uh, regularly, you know, you're not going to be able to adjust projection, uh, adjust exposures. You're not going to be able to. Um, Applied min uniques, uh, that is all coming right in the late swap pools that is currently in beta. So it'll be even more similar to how you're used to using uh, the app. But really good question there. So, you know, just so you know, you know, 
we are not going to turn off any rules you have. If there is a rule that you have active, uh, once lock hits, we are not going to turn that off, right? We are going to leave that rule on and SaberSim is going to make sure that that rule is honored in the late swap. So just one more time for you there. That is how it works. And I see Naj wanted that question answered as well. So looks like that was a two for one there. Uh, another question here from Naj said, do you prefer setting min max exposures filtering post build? Um, I think that, you know, they both have their place and I don't think it is a, you know, one or the other type of thing. I think it, it it's both, right? And I'm going to run a build right here, you know, I'm going to run 500 lineups, get us something to work with. But, you know, I think everything in the post build is there for a reason and has its kind of uh, place or or purpose, right? And it depends what you're doing, right? That's why we have so many different ways for people to do things you know we have a diversification tool we have minimax exposures for players for stacks uh for teams for and then now you know we have filters we have different uh lineup sorting metrics right all of these things are are more or less important to different individual players but we give everybody the opportunity to use them however they see fit right so not saying you have to use them all but you know, I think each and every one has their place depending on what type of player you are, right? So the way I usually like to come into the post build is I've, I'm a big fan of the min uniques tool. I will usually uh, increase my min uniques to something around um, four or five, depending. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Also depends on the slate. Sometimes, you know, I can only get to like two or three, like that's totally fine. But I, I'm someone who, you know, likes to treat every lineup in my pool as viable and you know i think this five is is fine for the sake of the example here and then you know i will come in and spot check my exposures right i like to get those mini unique players up first because this is closer to what i'm going to take with me into my contest and then come in here and spot check some of this stuff you know am i okay with 80 percent thomas bryant um you know am i getting any really big stacks that i don't want am i getting a lot of four stacks now um, you know, usually trying to stay under a three stack, you know, and then I'll look at, you know, okay, what team am I getting a four stack of? Why am I getting a four stack of them? How many lineups are, am I, am I getting four stacked and am I okay with that? Right. And you know, if, if this was like one lineup, right, I'll usually just hit the magnifying glass, go and look at the lineup and kind of see if I'm okay with that or not. Right. So I want to give Saber the opportunity to give me the lineups at once and then kind of spot check certain areas within that set of lineups right um so so that's one way i think that you know using the menu uniques spot checking works i think that you know you can come in here still adjust minimax exposures if 80 percent of one player is just too much for you you know that is a perfect time to use that i think filtering is is a really good option too right maybe you want to filter out you know the bottom um like the 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 lowest projected score lineups, right? Maybe you want to filter out like a like a handful of them, right? So what I would do is I would come in here and I would do like hide lineups with projected score less than mm -hmm. I I don't know what a good number is, maybe like two ninety. Um, you know, maybe you do something where like you go see what like the cash optimal is and see what the projected score of that is. Okay, so so right about 300, we start to, you know, kind of chop off the, the bottom portion of these lineups. Looks like we chopped off about uh, 10%. That might be like a little too much for me. 
Um, but 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 something along those lines, right? Uh, I think this is a great spot, like to do filtering. Maybe you care about um, you know the geo mean of a lineup. I have it right here as a as a custom metric that I that I wrote, so we can see the geo mean of each lineup, right? Maybe you care about that. Uh, maybe you have you know your your own custom metric that you're using. So I think I think filters uh, lineup filters have a good place, especially in a sport like NBA where projection does matter so much, you know, uh, where salary does matter so much. So just different ways to use it. I think, you know, this is a good way to use filters. I think minimax exposures are more for, uh, very specific player instances. I think diversification is good. So, so, you know, just, just kind of a way to say like all of this has its place. You don't have to use it all, but it can all be used in an effective manner. And you don't have to be like, okay, you know, if I'm using minimax exposures, I'm not going to use lineup filters. Like I really wouldn't think of it that way. And I would think that uh, they all have a purpose depending on what you're doing. All right. Good question there. Uh, got a follow-up here as well. This is our last question right now. If anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. I know Tuesdays tend to be a little slow with only uh, two sports and not three, but always ready to answer some questions. And we got a big 10-game NBA slate, so happy to talk about some NBA strategy. All right. Uh, Follow-up from Nash says, do you mind showing us something you would do post-build using tonight's slates slate for an NBA 20 max, preferably piggybacking off test build for info? Um, I mean – to, to be honest, I don't really run a test build uh, that often. Uh, usually I'm in a kind of a time crunch and I don't have time to, you know, do like research builds and, and test builds and, and stuff like that. Uh, just the way kind of my process goes. But, you know, what what I just showed you is basically exactly what I I I would do like on a night to night basis. Like increase my menu needs, you know, spot check my stacks, spot check my projected players you know I, I leave my projection filter all the way down here at seven and i like to come in here and see who the lowest projected players are you know it's set to 13 by default uh even even with the even with allowing the builder more opportunities to put lower projected players in your lineups it's still not doing that right so the builder is doing exactly what you want in this instance lowest projected players 20.58 points uh that looks great to me so you know, as far as like what what I do on a night to night basis, like this is probably pretty similar to to what I do. Uh, if we want to talk about test builds, like that's perfectly fine. I think if you you know have the time to run a test build, like that's great. And uh, I would I would usually do it a couple different ways. Um, I think there's merit for for really all of these ways. So depending on the contest you're playing, right? You're playing like the the piggy bank on FanDuel, five cent, 150 max. I think it's totally fine to come in here, you know, set it to the slider settings and run a build and just see what Saber Sam is giving you, right? This is a good starting point for anyone who, you know, is not like um, that familiar with NBA, right? Like Najee, you know, you're in here almost every day, uh, starting to get to know you a little well. Uh, you said, you know, you're newer to NBA and, you know, you're kind of learning the sport, right? Uh the reason I don't I don't do this is because I am very very into uh, NBA DFS. I uh, like to approach it from a different way, and which is like a little more in depth and, and takes more time, right? But I think for anybody using Saber Sim, 
this is a great way to get started. Saber Sim is going to kind of give you the slate context, the slate dynamics through a test build, right? And what I would do is I would always open this up to the full pool here and kind of go from there. If you have the ability to run more than 500 lineups, I would run as many lineups as are available to you on whatever plan you're on, right? So right off the bat here, um, I think one thing that's interesting is that no player is currently over a six value. I think over a six value is like usually where we see uh, guys off the bench starting that are not usually starting, uh, you know, injury situations, things like that, right? So usually kind of under a six value, uh, I would consider like a fairly well-priced slate, but it's still early. I haven't looked at the injury report. Uh, probably still a lot of opportunity for players to uh, that are questionable to sit and other players to start in their um, absence. But this point in the day, looks like a fairly well-priced slate, right? So I'm going to come in here. Uh, you know, highest value player at the moment is our highest leverage. Uh, that makes sense to me, right? Um, not sure what the Lakers injury situation looks like. I know AD's been out. Uh, LeBron and Westbrook have sat or started, so not really sure what the entire context of the Lakers looks like. So this is somebody I'm going to note, right? Like, okay, you know, look into Thomas Bryant, uh, see what the Lakers look like, and then I'm probably going to come in here look at a couple things, right? I want to look at the highest owned players and what their leverages are, right? So Kenyon Martin, you know, 44% owned, 38% exposure in our in our test build here. Um, looks fine. Not, not that worried about it. Jeremy Sokan at almost, you know, double the exposure compared to ownership. Uh, that That's a lot, right? So he's somebody I like. I might note down, uh, you know, Giddy doesn't look to be paying off his ownership here. Uh, you know, Miles Turner is another one that stands out, right? You could also do this by looking at uh, leverage descending as well as inverse leverage to see, you know, who like the the best and worst place plays are, you know, but, but remember, this is with correlation and ownership fade taken into account, right? So like this is who Sabersim wants to play given like – adding correlation, given adding ownership, you know, these are not our uh, slate optimals, right? So this is what I would do for a test build, you know, note some of these guys, right, that we're getting really high leverage to. And then I would go, you know, I could probably just name this real quick. I think this is, you know, a good tool. So I'm just going to say, actually, this was a test build. So test build. So we usually call like a test build stuff where you leave the sliders alone. And then if we go back to the home screen, run a research build, that's something along the lines of like a zero zero ten build, uh, you know, I I don't think this is like a science. And if anybody has you know any uh, thoughts about this, uh, you know, feel free to throw them in the office hours channel. I'm sure Matt would would uh, jump in here and and give us some thoughts too. But on like a on a big ten game NBA slate, uh, you know, I'm not that concerned about optimals, right? A zero zero ten build is going to take a single instance of every slate on every game on the slate and build the optimal lineup from that set. Right. Uh, and then it's going to do that 500 times. I don't really think you're going to, you know, you, I mean, you're not going to need the optimal and you're probably not going to find it on a 10 game NBA slate. Right. So one thing that I have experimented with is running a zero zero nine build for research builds on larger slates. This is going to, 
give uh, more instances, not just one instance, right? We are going to bucket more Sims to build your lineups. And I think that it is still fairly close to a 0010, but you're going to get a couple more Sims. So it's going to be a little bit different. Um, I think, I think either way is fine. Usually on like a smaller slate, I will use like a 0010, but I think 009 has viability as well. So going to run this here. And then we are going to basically compare what we see here to what we saw in the test build, right? So I'm going to open this up, 500 lineups here. And then, um, and then, okay, Naj said he wanted to talk about this. I think, uh, you know, we could go, We, could, I mean, we're talking about both, right? I think, I think they kind of work hand in hand. I think it all goes very well together. And then Naj, I get very confused when I see high exposed negative leverage plays yeah i mean i think it's okay um i would you know can't stress enough saber sim is going to put them in your lineup at the rate that they should be i don't think you know you should be that worried about uh kenyon martin here at at 44 ownership with 36 percent um exposure i think you know what that kind of means to me is that you know what i i'm not strongly convicted about this guy I don't think he's going to do very good, but I don't. But I don't think the odds of him failing failing are very bad either. So I think that in that instance, it's better to just play it close to the field and say, like, you know what? Uh, I'm not sure which way this guy's going to go, but I'm not going to let him beat me in one direction or the other, and I'm just going to play him close to his ownership and try and find my leverage for the slate somewhere else, right? So, so you know, if you think about it, 44% of lineups in your contest are going to have this player approximately, right? So so if you have him, you know, close to his ownership, right? Uh, when he does really good, he's not going to kill you because you are rostering this player at a similar rate as the field. But if he does really bad, then you are going like the 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 percentage of your portfolio that's going to go down with him is the same as the same number of lineups is is basically the same as every other player in the contest right or like the ratio of your lineups to the contest lineups that are going to sync with this player is going to be at the same rate that's probably a better way of thinking about it so i think it's totally fine to just uh leave it where it is and then look for leverage other places where you can, you know, make it up uh, one way or another, have a stronger stance somewhere else. So that's that's how I feel about high, uh, high owned, you know, pretty neutral exposure or neutral leverage plays. Uh, I usually just let them be and then look somewhere else for my leverage on the slate. But back to what we're saying, right? Uh, open this up to 500. Uh, you know, we're going to go back to our, our sorting by value really quickly. Uh, still seeing a lot of Thomas Bryant, still seeing a lot of Jeremy Sokan, uh, going back to ownership plays still a little low on giddy. Uh, all of this looks pretty similar to what we were seeing a little less, um, exposure to Turner. I think Turner, we were up in like the 20% leverage, a little less leverage. Sabersim decided that, you know, with correlation and ownership, metrics taken into account you should play a little more of him i think that's something to note you know maybe uh that's a little too much leverage for you and you want to play something closer to what we're seeing here but i i I would definitely uh 
you know, usually if I run one, I'm going to run both. So if I run a 0010 or 009 build, I'm probably going to run a test build. That way I can compare the two. Uh, I, I think that, you know, they kind of work hand in hand. And these are the types of things I'm looking for, you know, are the high leverage plays in one, the same as the high leverage plays in another are, do we like the high owned plays better in one versus the other and why? And then, you know, remember those things when you go to build your final lineups, that is going to be part of your risk management portfolio strategy. And you can remember like, Hey, you know, I saw this thing in my test build versus my research build. You know, maybe I want to play it. Uh, a little safer in this instance, and then maybe play, uh, try to find my leverage in this other instance. So those are the things that I try to think about when doing uh, research builds and test builds. Happy to hear any feedback and uh, let me know if anybody else has any questions about it. All right. Got a question here from Rogue3. Rogue said, how often are you limiting team stacks and game stacks in NBA? I've noticed most binks are max two from the same team on seven plus game slates. Yeah. I think it's like a pretty common heuristic that, um, most, most people do not use more than three players from one team in NBA. Uh, it's something that Max Steinberg has talked a lot about. Uh, you know, we have videos with him, um, talking NBA DFS at the beginning of the season would highly recommend checking it out over on our YouTube channel for anyone that is, is not aware of those videos, you know, if you come over to our YouTube and then you go to how to beat NBA DFS in 2022, this is a video where Jordan interviewed uh, Max and they talked for like an hour, 45 minutes, answered a ton of questions. Uh, something that Max has said that he does regularly as well as um, other, other pros, according, according to his research, not sure how he came to that conclusion, but seems like a fairly uh, common heuristic in the NBA, uh, DFS world. So usually I, I try and abide by that for the most, most part, but I am definitely open to taking that on a case by case basis. You know, when the warriors decide to sit all their starters and it's like Jordan Poole, Kaminga, uh, Kevin Looney, Moses Moody, you know, Ty Jerome, and they only have like eight guys available. Like in those instances, yeah, I'm totally okay you know, stacking four on FanDuel, stacking five on DraftKings. So I think that um, it, it's more of a case-by-case -case basis. That's kind of why, that's why I like to handle it in the post build. You know, I'll, I'll do the things that matter to me most, like increase my mini uniques, and then I'll go and spot check and then say, okay, you know, now I have this one Indiana four stack. Like, what does this look like? And I'm am I okay with it? I think, you know, a cautionary tale right off the bat is that this is literally the only Indiana four stack in my entire pool of 500 lineups. And, you know, I think, I think that, you know, when you, when you do things like increase menu uniques, you know, certain things are going to come out of that. And one thing I would like to check, you know, like, was this lineup in my top 150, right? Or did I only get to it because I said, every lineup must have four players different from one another. So, so right off the bat, you know, right here, you can see like, this is in my top 150, you know, I've decreased my mini uniques back to back down to one. So when I increase this to four, it's not like this is a product of increasing to four. Like it was there to start. You can also look at the rank of the lineup. I think that works too. Uh, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to see what this lineup looks like, you know, and, and, you know, we see Halliburton, Namhard, Buddy Heald, and Miles Turner, 
and then we see four one-offs. Um, frankly, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with this lineup. I don't know if this is like a high total game, what the spread is, you know, uh, what, what the, what the game environment is supposed to be. So I'm okay leaving it. Uh, you don't have to be, you're like, you know what, this one random lineup, one random four snack stack, uh, snuck into my set. And it is the only one I I'd rather just not play it. I would rather zero it out. Uh, I think that's totally fine too. And, and make some sense. Right. So as far as, you know, how often am I limiting team stacks and game stacks? I would say game stacks usually about never. Uh, I'm not that concerned with game stacks uh, in general. We could, we could, you know, use a magnifying glass right here and then see what kind of stacks we're getting. So it looks like we're getting like some two twos, maybe a couple three twos here, but it's not anything I'm particularly that concerned about. I think, you know, like a game stack, a game stack is technically like a one, one V one. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like if you have one player on Indiana and one player on Atlanta, that is a game stack, right? So like this would be a three, one game stack, but it only takes one player on each team to create a game stack. So it's not something that I'm like overly concerned about. I think if anything, I would be more concerned about just like general stack types. Um, you know, like how many players do I have from one team or from one environment? Um, you know, a two, two, two like this means like you have two players from three different teams, or this one's like a three, two, two. You have a three players on one team, two on another, two on another. Uh, not, not that concerned about it at all, but team stacks, definitely checking out. And then if you are playing NBA on DraftKings, DraftKings does allow five stacks from a single team. It's pretty interesting. You know, FanDuel has nine roster spots and they only allow four stacks, but DraftKings has only eight roster spots, but allows five stacks. So less roster spots, uh, more stacking on DraftKings. I think it is definitely something to be a little more aware of in that, on that, um, contest platform just because that is like now becoming a very large portion of your roster spots but good question there rogue gonna keep rolling here got a question from uncrabby cabby says hey andrew how do you handle the psychological impact of losing 90 to 95 percent of the time and why do you continue to play uh i think this is a really good question right uh frankly um i mean i just really enjoy dfs uh been playing it for you know a couple of years now uh was was a big poker guy and um just became like too 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 hard to play i think with poker you know you got to be uh present every single hand right if you're not paying attention if you're not paying attention to the hand you're not making money right but with dfs you know you could aside from nba for the most part you could build your lineups and you know a lot comes and then all the games have to play right so that kind of opens up your evening. Um, you know, I'm a West coast guy. So lock is at like four, uh, baseball season's the best, you know, all the lineups are out early, uh, get to spend some time with the family and still get to have like a sweat through the night. So those are things that like, I really like about DFS is a lot of the work is up front. aside from, you know, NBA season, when you have to do a lot of late swaps, I think NFL is like kind of, uh, in, on the same train as MLB. So I'll, it, it, it does save me time from what I used to do. And then, you know, second part, uh, how do you handle the psychological impact of losing 90 to 95% of the time? I think that the way you handle it best is bankroll management. 
I think that, you know, on any night, somebody can get hurt, right? And let's say, um, let's say tonight, you know, I don't know who like the highest owned player is. Uh, you know what? Let's use NFL. I think, I think NFL showdown is, is a phenomenal example, right? So we have an NFL showdown coming up on Thursday, Dallas versus Tennessee. Um, you know, let's say somebody like uh, Derrick Henry, right? Derrick Henry, you know, going to be one of the highest owned plays of the slate. Uh, let's say Derrick Henry gets hurt in the first quarter, right? Uh, game starts, Derrick Henry gets hurt. That's going to sink like 80% of your lineups. You know, that feels terrible, right? But I think if you're playing the right amount of bankroll on a night-to-night basis, your reaction, if your reaction is not this, I think that you might be playing too much of your bankroll. So, like, if Derrick Henry gets hurt and you're just like, fuck, man, like, that sucks, but, you know, whatever. Like, on to the next slate. Like, if something bad happens and you can't say, well, you know, that slate's gone, on to the next slate, I think you're probably a little too invested. And it's going to it's gonna suck, like, immediately, right? It's going to be like, oh, my God, you know, I just spent, you know, the last 30 minutes to an hour building my lineups. But I think that, you know, if you can't move on from it very fast, you might be too invested in it. And these things happen, right? Um, I, I could name a, a bunch of times this season where this has happened. Uh, the slate with um, Mark Andrews and the Bucks. I had like a ton of Mark Andrews and he got hurt uh, really early after starting hot. The Naheem Hines slate when he was with the Colts, when Jonathan Taylor was out, gets hurt on like the first drive of the night. Uh, the Kyler Murray slate and the Ramondre Stevenson one where they both got hurt recently. Uh, those things happen, right? Like that is why we tell people to play less of your bankroll in NFL showdown. It's one game and like so many crazy things can happen. Like we are serious when it's like, dude, like playing less of your bankroll is the best possible thing for you. So I think being responsible with bankroll management will allow you to continue to enjoy this, right? Like I, I thoroughly enjoy building DFS lineups, thinking about game theory, um, you know, trying to, it's competition, right? It's like, it's a competitive game. Uh, I, I am really in it, you know, I mean, well, one, I want to, I want to win money, right? But two, you know, I want to like win. I want to be really good and I want to be at the top of my contest and feel like, I did something better than, than everybody else. Right. So I think that you can do that and exercise bankroll management. And that is the best uh, balance for continuing to play DFS for a very long time. But that being said, uh, that's my best answer on Krabby Cabby. So let me know if you have any uh, follow-up. All right. Question for CC here. Is there any way to keep mini uniques during the late swap step? I find the uniqueness offered by mini unique is lost during late swap. So CC, uh, currently there is no way to do it. We are testing out a version of the app where we are going to be able to rebuild every lineup more than once. And that will create a pool of lineups similar to how you build it normally. And that will allow you to adjust mini uniques. So it is a limitation that we are working on and we are hoping that the uh bugs and the kinks with late swap pools is fixed very very soon and we can push it out for all users uh it is a little clunky at the moment and can be a little hard to use uh it is available at beta.sabersim.com you can just log in with your normal credentials and give it a shot but i would be careful using it 
like really, really close to lock. Uh, sometimes things happen with it. And we, we ask users who do use it that when they experience problems to use the report a problem link, that way we can get all of this worked out. So it's kind of like a use at your own risk type of thing. I would be uh, careful using it in a time crunch and only using it when I have ample time to switch back to the normal version of SaberSim if needed. All right, a uh, question here from Sojo said, a lot of people come from poker to DFS. Do you think I should learn poker then come back to DFS? seems like everyone that comes from poker has a thinking advantage. Uh, I, I, I would say no. I don't think you need to do that. I think there are plenty of um, successful DFS people who, you know, do not come from a poker background. I feel like it was just a uh, fairly easy uh, progression or transition um, for, for a lot of people in like, you know, post Black Friday, uh, early 2010s, you know, I think DraftKings came out in like 2012. So kind of an easy transition for, for a lot of people, especially as, you know, poker has, has gotten a lot harder with, with solvers and, um, different things along that, uh, uh, different things along those lines, but it seems like, you know, poker is still booming these days and uh, a lot of people are still continuing to play, which is, which is great for, you know, the, the poker ecosystem, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try and walk that back. Instead, what I would do is just really try and, you know, I think, I think one of the best things you could do is consume a lot of content from a lot of different places. Uh, there are a lot of different, um, what, what do I want to call it? Companies, teams, uh, you know, SaberSim, uh, Stochastic, RunPure, ETR, Roto-Grinders are, are a couple that uh, come to mind right off the bat. I think that, you know, Jordan Cooper has like his, you know, theory of uh, DFS uh, podcast and course, and then he came out with an advanced course. Like when I, when I started getting into DFS, you know, that was basically what I did is I tried to consume as much content from as many different places as possible to kind of figure out uh, my own thoughts, right? You know, you come in, you don't have that many thoughts. You don't uh, fully like understand the game. The best thing you can do is like go and learn from as many sources as possible and then be like, okay, you know, this guy said this and then this guy said something that was different. You know, why is that? And kind of try and figure that out or um, ask questions, you know, in the, in, in discord communities, like, like we have here, like I, at the start of every show, I talk about that, you know, join the discord, jump in the channels, ask questions, start conversations, you know, like, like a great one would be like, okay, you know, I was listening to run Pierce's podcast and they said this. And then I was listening to Andrew on office hours. And he said that, uh, what do you guys think? Right. And other SaberSim uh, members are going to jump in other sharp players in the community are going to jump in and then you're going to create a dialogue. And like, that is how you learn. Right. So Try and find a good environment where you can ask questions and, um, you know, be ignorant and uh, not get made fun of like that. Uh, I think, you know, people ask all types of questions and everybody is always so willing to answer it, um, you know, from from like the most basic questions to the hardest questions. You know, everybody is always willing to give their two cents and give some feedback there. It's not, it's never like, Oh, get a load of this guy. Like asking about unique rank. Like, no, it's never like that. Everyone's here to help and everyone wants everyone to get better. If you know, they're willing to put in the effort on their own. So I think, you know, discord communities are a great place to learn, consume as much content as possible and just focus on uh, learning DFS. Don't go and try to learn uh, a different kind of like, 
trade to come back to DFS. I think I think you're better off just staying here and 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 uh, diving in. You know, diving in the deep end. All right, uh, jumping back to Discord. Got a question from Naj here. Question reads: When filtering, would you recommend managing mid range? And value players and trusting Saberson with my studs or the other way around. I have $53 left on my account. How many lineups should I make per day right now? I do the 25 and 10, 20 max. Should I do more? Uh, you know, really depends, you know, what your true bankroll is, right? That is something you need to determine for yourself. Like if you're going to run out of money in your account and you're willing to redeposit, uh, then whatever money's in your account is not your true bankroll, Right. Uh, so you should really look at your bankroll as like a whole, what it's, it is basically what you are willing to invest or risk in this, uh, environment. And if you are, you know, willing to, re- I would count that as part of your bankroll and then use that number to come up with the 2.5 to 5% of your bankroll that you're willing to risk on a night to night basis, and then start your, um, contest selection from that point instead but continuing to play the contest under three dollars you know mix in some single entry some elevator type contests and you know find the right balance uh you know refresh yourself with the dfs profit plan over on our youtube channel it is a great source for a lot of people and i am a big fan of the dfs profit plan all right um question here from chuck the peer gonna get this one in here Chuck said, hey, Andrew, what are your thoughts on my metric that incorporates the lineups variance with the lineups Sabre score? Okay, so Chuck has a custom metric here, and it is percentile, 25th percentile plus 50th percentile plus 75th percentile plus 85th percentile plus 95th percentile plus Sabre score. Uh, this is interesting. And I mean, first, my question would be like, why did you leave off 99th percentile? Uh, you know, is there any specific reason you left off, off like the, the highest of the range? Um, you know, maybe you're like trying to find something, uh, more in the mid range. I, I, I think this is like a good, this is like a good thread starter, right? I think this is a, is a good question for like, different people to uh, come in and um, throw in their two cents on. Chuck said, you know, 99th percentile is included in Sabre score. I think upside in general is included in Sabre score. I don't know if it's like Sabre score is only 99th percentile. I think that is definitely uh, an interesting conversation there. So not too sure, you know, if only 99th percentile is included in Sabre score or not, that's probably worth, um verifying so i'm gonna make a note here uh chuck custom metric and then i'll probably just start a thread and then get some feedback from different members of the team but uh frankly i'm not i'm not like 100 sure one way or another uh, i think that you know custom metrics are really interesting and what i think would be uh the best approach is to test it out see how a set of lineups do um, you know, maybe in like a smaller subset of contests, maybe you decide to build lineups for with this custom metric in smaller contests for a certain period of time. Maybe you, you know, download these entry files and 
or or uh, have like one build with your custom metric and then have another build. Well, no, because it'd be the same build, right? So I guess maybe one thing you could do is like sort your lineups in after the slate is over by your custom metric and then sort them by, you know, Sabre score or 95th percentile or something like that and then compare that over time. I think that's something we've talked about, you know, here on this show before where it's like, you know, go into old builds you've run and then see what, see how many of your lineups are scoring in the top 1% of, of the contest over time. Right. And I think that, you know, you could do that uh, for Sabre score. You know, we do have the actuals here. So you could just come in here and sort by uh, actual score, compare that to a specific contest over time. And then, um, you know, do it for the sorting method that you're using. Maybe you're using Sabre score, look at, you know, the, the top Sabre score lineups and see what those scored. And then look at, you know, um, sort by sort by your custom metric that you're now coming up with and then see, you know, what those lineups look like over time. So not sure if there's like a way to, uh, I don't know if you could like download the contests or download the lineups that you put into your entries file and come up with the actuals. That'd be like kind of interesting. So I think, I think there's something there with, comparing you know the lineup sorting methods over time i'm not sure exactly what it is i'm gonna chew on that for a little bit and i'm gonna think about that maybe talk to some other members of the team and and see what their 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 thoughts are on that so chuck uh definitely a good conversation starter question and one that is going to uh probably not be finished today gonna be probably a multi-day thing let me see where I, what what kind of feedback i can get for you on that one there but that being said, everybody, uh, that was our last question, it looks like. Um, oh, wait, I got one more right here from Naj. So one more from Naj after Chuck's. And Naj said, when filtering, would you recommend managing – oh, maybe I didn't answer this one. Uh, I did put it in here. So, oh, when filtering, would you recommend managing mid-range or value plays and trusting Saverson with my studs or the other – way around i think i only answered the second part of, of it the first time so so my bad so i think you know when it comes to managing your portfolio right what i really like to do is i like to look at you know the highest range and the lowest range right so for me it's like what are my most exposed players what are my highest leverage players and then conversely you know what are my lowest leverage plays which is basically you know some of your lowest exposed plays right i think you know what I try to do is like shave the fat off the ends and then let Saber Sam handle, you know, uh, how, how tender the, the center of my steak is. So that, that's the way I really like to think about it is, um, you know, do some trimming off the top and the bottom and let Saber Sam figure out the rest. I think that, you know, you come in here and you can look at, you can do the same thing on like a projection basis. Uh, look at the highest projected plays and then look at the lowest projection plays, you know, maybe like, Goran Dragic at 26% at only at 18 projection is too much for you, right? Um, I think this is a great opportunity to exercise some risk management. Maybe no Damian Lillard as the highest projected play on the slate is too little for you, right? And you adjust this. So I, I think that there's ways to look at the top and bottom ranges, you know, by projection, by your exposures, by your leverage. Um, and and I would let Saberson handle the the mid-range value plays these guys 
in the middle that you have a uh, smaller leverage in a positive or negative direction too. But good question there. All right, everybody, that wraps up our show for today. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we will be right back here tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. As always, if you guys have questions ahead of time, throw them in the Office Hours channel. Let them sit there. That will get us a good queue of questions going for the next day. And until then, good luck in your contests. If you guys need anything, team is always around in Discord. Just ping us in the support channel if you're having issues or uh, in any uh, post in any of the other channels, and we are always around. So until then, take care and good luck in your contests.